Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Rowdy Buddhist podcast. Hope all of you are doing well. Since the establishment of my morning meditation practice, I'm going to do a short part here. Hopefully, I can get it into one podcast, but if not, I'll make it into a few separate. As I'm teaching the basics of dhyana and yoga with people in the morning, uh, we have a online 30-minute meditation and yoga practice. I hope you can join us. You can find us, uh, find the practice every morning at Rowdy Buddhist Podcast on YouTube. But in that, many people have begun practicing, and I've spoken about this each morning, but I'd like to go more into depth about establishing a practice. So these are going to be some podcasts about how we should establish practice. Once we decide we want to do meditation, then the idea and understanding and implementation is just as important as having the wish to start. So now as you begin your practice, we have to focus on the goal uh, of, first of all, establishing a regular daily practice. Now, of course, you may think that this is obvious but and perhaps even trivial, but very few meditators, even those who have been professing many years of experience, can they actually maintain a truly consistent practice. Yet, to truly get the benefits of meditation... To experience the benefits of meditation, you must master the first stage by first overcoming obstacles and taking the necessary steps in establishing a correct practice. So as I've been speaking on in the morning meditations, I'm just going to reiterate them and put them into one uh, lecture. The first being obstacles to establishing a practice, okay? So there are four major obstacles that I believe that one needs to overcome at the beginning stage of establishing a practice. They are not having enough time to meditate, procrastinating instead of sitting down to practice, reluctance and even resistance to actually doing the practice and doubt about your abilities. The first being time. Finding time to practice is going to be your initially your initial challenge. It's going to be the biggest challenge you have. When you first decide to take up meditation, you're very eager. You're naturally excited. Maybe you found inspiration from watching the online morning meditation practices. Maybe you've read a book. But at first, sheer enthusiasm helps you find time to practice. So you make time to practice. Yet, as we know with all things, especially as we come up to the new year, as our early excitement fades, you soon begin to feel the pressure of all the other demands in your life. It's just the way it is. And I'd like to discuss some very practical solutions for overcoming these obstacles. But the most effective antidote, the most effective medicine, is actually very simple. As you do with anything else you're committed to or you want to become uh, proficient at, you must make time to meditate. Simple as that has to be a priority. That's why actually the sutras state that if you wish to actually practice the sutra, if you wish to study and practice Buddhism, you must not even begrudge your own life. That means above all 
priorities, including the priority of one's own life, we need to establish our practice. That's how severe and how important it is. Because if we're not, obviously other things will naturally trump it because we're dealing with our desires. And if our desires are running things, then uh, and meditation was part of that desires, then that too will fall by the wayside and we won't be able to gain the freedom and liberation that we are looking for, that we're requesting. I don't know anyone who has had a successful meditation practice based on their spare time, okay? That they say, oh, I do meditation in my spare time. There will always be something that interrupts it. And again, as we'll see later, if the idea, as the Buddha says in chapter 16, is to quickly and efficiently allow people to attain liberation, to attain dhyana, then the most important thing is, as we'll see, consistency. Besides that, for most of us, spare time is a rarity, especially as we come around the holidays. If you don't set a regular practice, you most likely will not meditate. You have to make your meditation practice a priority. And one of the interesting things as we go on, it's not going to be based on discipline or pushing yourself, but as you can see in our practice, by simply observing and watching the benefits of the practice from the beginning, we mindfully observe ourselves as we wake up in the morning, perhaps with anxiety, stiffness, etc. And as we go through our dhyana and yogic practice, after we come out of our concentrated practice, we realize that we have become more focused and, and we need to become aware of that. And that allows us to then naturally want to make time for it. I naturally want to make time and it becomes a priority for me because I want to live a good life, period. Procrastination, that's a big one. Procrastination is one of the classic problems in meditation as in anything. Modern life tends to be busy, full of deadlines, and very, very stressful. Maybe you started meditation to deal with your stress, only to find that practicing meditation caused another type of stress and became another demand on your overextended time as it was, with you know, including the energy. When this happens, it's very easy to say that I'll meditate after I take care of such and such, or I'll make more time to meditate tomorrow. And again, this is back to what I was just speaking on. That's why you must make it a priority, a priority in your life, even at the cost of your life. That means it must be that you have to see the value in that without our practice and study, there is no Buddhism. Without our path in life, we become lost. And then life simply drifts by and we become old. We get sick when we pass away. And in our deathbed, we ask, and I've seen this many times, what was the purpose? What did I miss? I wish I would have. Regret, regret, regret. And again, no one wants that to happen or to that for that to be them. Otherwise, you'll always find something more important to do first. And once you do that, you've missed your t chance. And also, it will, again, uh, snowball. Also, once you've been meditating for a, a while, the after effects will make you more at ease and relax. The great thing is that you will feel like you have more time, not less. And again, be encouraged and be motivated internally rather than through discipline or force 
forcefulness, to meditate. The next being reluctance and resistance. The reason that many people you know, turn to meditation is that there is a promise of mindfulness and finding inner peace. However, when you sit down to discover how your mind actually is, how wild and uncontrollable it is, you may easily get frustrated and conclude that meditation is all work and no reward or very little reward. Many people see this because they want immediate results. And again, uh, there are a lot of things to help uh, with those results. First, knowing and being able to realize results, because a lot of times we are looking for uh, the big picture, whereas the big picture is made up of small aspects, right? So the small the small victories are what makes the big victory. But a lot of times people uh, overlook that. And also the direction and instruction from a uh, teacher is very important. Okay? This is when when we get to that point and we, we feel that it's, you know, all work and little reward. That's where reluctance and resistance begin to appear. And also procrastination keeps us from sitting down. Reluctance and resistance lead us to spending our time on the cushion, thinking of other things, daydreaming, fantasizing. In other words, you'll do almost everything or anything to avoid what you now think is a boring, difficult, and very unsatisfactory uh, as unsatisfying task or event. The keys to overcoming this, as I've just said before, of reluctance and resistance are inspiration and motivation. That's what they need to be replaced with. And when we observe the benefits, and that's why it's very important that one of the parts of our practice is acknowledgement through awareness. We can be easily motivated to practice. When you first start practicing, you'll need to get your inspiration from somewhere else. Right? You have to get it from uh, perhaps your teacher, from some text, something. However, once you are able to make your own progress, your own success will provide for you the motivation needed to continue. I guarantee that. The next is self-doubt. This is a really big one because, again, this is, again, where a, a teacher would be very important. You know, we tend to stick with activities that we're good at, that we know. And we avoid the ones that we don't know anything about or that cause us to struggle. But when you discover that you can't control your unruly mind, you may begin doubting your abilities. You may think something's wrong with me. Maybe I'm different in some way. I lack self-discipline. I'm not smart enough or spiritual enough for meditation. I've heard people use these excuses. Again, it, it's very easy to think that some inherent obstacle is holding you back. Um, especially if you start comparing your experiences with other people. Um, that's very important that you don't do that. Uh, each person's path is different. Uh, the realization is the same. However, uh, we need to stop comparing ourselves in that way. That is not a useful exercise. Of course, we then understand that the real obstacle, of course, in that situation is self-doubt that we're dealing with. And it's very powerful, and it can absolutely rob us of our enthusiasm and determination in establishing a real practice. But without real or regular practice, it'll take a long time before you'll notice or be able to see any improvement, uh, which, again, will only increase and support the, the doubt that you have in yourself. So at the root of self-doubt, of course, is the classic hindrance of 
uh, not knowing of not knowing thyself. And there, the basic antidote for this is really simple: trust and perse perseverance. And this again is something that we can manifest through inspiration and motivation. So it's very important that when we watch ourselves in our practice, that we become inspired by the what comes about through our study and practice. I'm constantly every morning, every day, as I do my personal practices, the changes that have come about that I know I have uh, more awareness than I did yesterday or. In a situation that have come up, maybe I've uh, thought or behaved differently, that there's suddenly space. Whereas before, I would naturally want to react to something quickly because there wasn't any space. I had created no space of myself or my mind. I just simply was uh, begotten to my own emotions, um, which is a very terrible and difficult place to be because you, you're kind of stuck, right? But meditation allows us and dhyana allows us the space that we need to perceive and perhaps make the effective changes in our life. And then in doing this, let's talk about the idea of creating useful solutions. The most effective way to overcome these both of these issues of procrastination and reluctance and resistance to, is to practice and simply just do it. Um, just do it. Accept it as it is in the way of mindfulness as we've spoken. We simply just observe. We're not putting any um, requirements or ideas on it. We're just going to sim simply sit. Not that if today is not a good sitting day and I come across something that makes me uncomfortable, that I'm going to suddenly discount meditation and my practice, right? It's important that you understand that nothing works as quickly or as efficiently as your own diligence, finding your own motivation, which of course is where natural diligence happens. The real simple act of consistently just sitting down and placing your attention in dhyana, concentration, mm -hmm. you know, one, one step after the other is the essential first step from which anything or in everything else in our stages of practice will flow. Then, once we're seated, we must train ourselves gently and, as I've said, without self-judgment to actually meditate rather than simply engage in some kind of entertaining uh, fantasy or mental activity. It's important that we use this word training ourselves, not to force or discipline ourselves, as I just stated before. Force guilt and all of that and even the idea of willpower will not produce a sustainable practice. It won't because we all have limitations on that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people say, oh, I've gotten through life through force or willpower, etc. Yes, but there are, and I've experienced, especially in lifelong practices, it's not a sustainable thing. And not the least because during that, if we are simply pushing ourselves, the, what kind of other negative or um, unsupportive emotions would come up? Training ourselves means working on our motivation and intentions, our experiential understanding, under the simple acts of sitting down and meditating. They naturally develop, they naturally come out. That's the great part of our practice. Then as we constantly are repeating it, they turn into habits. They turn into our natural state, our natural thought. And once we have a regular practice, 
you will be surprised how quickly and uh, our meditation becomes easier, how quickly we are able to get into that state by realizing that we're being distracted. So therefore, we can be able to concentrate deeper, better. And this, of course, is extremely gratifying. So there is an aspect of gratification in the idea that the peacefulness that washes over oneself and as I said, in daily life, having that space, that extra space, that breathing room in your daily interactions is just amazing because most people feel stuck. They feel stuck as if they themselves, whatever themselves is, or they, the I, can't seem to get it, get itself you know, anywhere else but stuck. And that when it becomes angry, it just simply reacts to the anger and the anger builds up and the resentment and everything, no matter how many books you read or how many uh, great, uh, you know, um, ideas you hear about, right? Or self-help, uh, how do you say, quips that they have of this or that saying, you get stuck. And there's nothing like being stuck. So we on stick ourselves or unstuck ourselves in the idea of through dhyana meditation. And naturally these positive aspects of our life become uh, come to the forefront of our mind. So, you know, again, I, that's the reason why uh, actually having some kind of process in the morning and all of these processes are very much part of these ancient teachings and that, you know, there are a lot of ancient books from Buddhism that talks about what lay people, as well as monks, should do. And it says they wake up, they wash their face, they wash their hair, they put on specific clothing, loose clothing, and they sit and they bow to the, the deities, offer water, incense, and then practice. And of course, this is open to any spiritual um, tradition, not just Buddhism. It's able to be supported by any spiritual tradition. So no matter what your tradition is, you can meditate. Um, no matter what your beliefs are, even if you don't have all the beliefs that you believe you are Buddhist or not, it's inconsequential. You have the ability to meditate. And I believe, as I thought even when I was nine years old, that we all have that truth in ourselves that we can discover. Um just accepting accepting somebody else's truth or enlightenment without our own experiential understanding is not at all gratifying. And also it gets us stuck, again, in things that we have not understood with our lives, right, with our um, natures. And that's really essential in, of course, being able to move forward. Diligent helps us to start us on our way, but the real solution to these obstacles is learning to enjoy your practice. Make it an enjoyable practice. Look forward to it. That's why not forcing it, etc. One simple but powerful way to do this is, it, as we have said, intentionally to savor the experiences that you have. Um, the physical comfort and understanding the quietness, as I said, the space, you know, Take satisfaction in the fact that you have actually sat down to meditate. Something as simple as that, that I sat today to meditate. I did something for my myself, my nature. I, I took time out for myself. I hear people talking about that all the time. 
that's an accomplishment in itself. And that too often people approach enlightenment as though they were taking medicine. It, it can be bad. It tastes bad. It's a little bit difficult to remember. Uh, we bear it uh, because it's supposed to be good for us. But instead of taking it, you know, as a pleasurable activity, we, you know, where we're at ease and happy, we take it as a negative thing. Uh, and of course, that causes us to build uh, boundaries or walls around our practice. So the more you succeed in seeking out and understanding and being mindful of the pleasant aspects of meditation, the more you'll be motivated to practice. Everything will fall into place. Don't despair. Um, doubt will disappear. You'll be able. To, you'll be inspired to meditate and can find find plenty of time for it. It'll be amazing where the time comes from, and that's why we use the idea of tasting our experience. Once we taste the joy of pleasure of practice, procrastination and resistance will vanish. We'll look forward to the time we have on the cushion and guard it um, deeply. We'll guard it with our with our lives. I, I very much value because again, you are. Your life is valuable. It's very important that you spend the time to cultivate yourself. And uh, this is not a just in, for yourself, but for the world. Because as I'm sure you can all agree with, more enlightenment, more light in this world would be wonderful. So thank you very much. And I encourage all of you, if you can, please join us in the morning at the Rowdy Buddhist YouTube channel for our morning meditation practice. Please have a wonderful day. Namah Myoho Renge Kyo.